Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. This is Luke Payson with MMA FanCast. I am joined today with current reigning and soon to be defending 155 pound lightweight champion of 247 fighting championships, comma, the Death Star Worthy, who won uh, the inaugural belt uh, on April 6, 2019, um, at the Princecape Arena, and now looks to defend it against Adam Ward. July 27. Welcome to the program, Trump. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's great having you back. It's absolutely great having you back. Congratulations. This is the first time we've been able to actually um, have you on the interview since, uh, have you on this show since you've won. And I did get to congratulate you in the cage afterwards, but I think it bears repeating again. A dominant, <laughs> dominant win, dominant win, um, master class performance against a very game and tough Joey Minez. Uh What was it like to get that, that title and that win uh, in front of a home crowd? It was good, man. It was a long time coming, really. <laughs> I got yeah. my first title mm-hmm. um, opportunity ever in PA and stuff. So especially with my record and stuff, it was, close. Much, it was much overdue, but it, it felt good. It was, it was kind of like how, how it was supposed to happen, I guess you could say. Absolutely. And you bring up your record. It is, it is a bit of a shock to me that your record is now 13 wins, six losses. That's a ton, almost 20 pro fights, a great record to have. And for that to be your first pro titles uh, seems a little, a little surprising. I'm glad it happened when it did, because obviously um, you were right there in, in the Pittsburgh area in front of your home crowd. But I agree with you. That seems a little bit late into a career that's been so dominant. You've won four in a row now, two of those being finishes and your decision win against Joey was was really really dominant a, a great performance there in front of your home crowd um, what has the the in between three months been like for you uh, training wise um, career wise what's been going on since April 6th really uh, just, I just got right back to the same stuff I mean just got back to training um, with my family and stuff I have a nine month old so She's just growing yeah. and stuff, so I'm just dealing with her, dealing with my family and training, getting, like, really just getting my, my teammates ready for fights. So, I mean, like, right after my fight, I had to get my man John ready for his fight. So I had him, but then I had my little brother. So, I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. constantly, like, running the gym and stuff, so just constantly training. So it's, just, it's a constant, like, cycle. It doesn't really turn off. I mean, I turn off fight mode, but I don't really turn off the training process. It's always, like, ongoing. Like, there's no ending, there's no beginning. Right. And, I, <laughs> and I think for you, I think for you, champ, that's, that's actually a good thing. This is what you, this is what you do. You mentioned your, your brother and obviously the other, the other guys 
um, fighters training out of your gym. Um, and I think it's probably a good thing that you're always in the gym, not, not always in fight camp prep mode, uh, but always doing stuff. And it appeared on April 6th, uh, that you were okay physically. I know you mentioned your elbow being a little, uh, a little bruised. Or yeah. Sore from I, I, elbow he, had, he had a big hit. His head, his head hurt my elbow. I elbowed him a couple of yeah. times, and like my elbow's throbbing afterwards. And I think yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. But, I jammed my thumb up too, throwing a couple of punches. I had something okay. clipped on one of his fingers or something. But that's—I mean, you do three rounds. If you do a three-round fight, you're always going to have stuff wrong with you. That's just right, true. right. But I was asking primarily from that fight. You were okay, other than a couple. Other yeah, than a couple I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I just had, I just had a, 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 a just. Fight bruises, you know, that's just part yeah, of yeah, fight bruises, I didn't have any injuries or any had significant injuries from the fight, no. Right, and that is impressive given the fact that it was a 15-minute very hard-fought uh, fight. You you had it in control um, the entire time, and, and yet at the same time, it was a lot of, obviously, it's a lot of work. I, I think I mentioned it in cage when I interviewed you. I'm pretty sure I did because I was absolutely impressed, but maybe I only mentioned it on the uh, on the broadcast but either way i was blown away by your cardio conditioning because i had been interviewing um so, you know some of the debut amateurs earlier right. in the night and they only fight six minutes some of them only fought under six minutes if it was a finish and they were completely out of breath uh one one or two of them were actually holding on to me during the interview you know just because of exhaustion and there yeah. you were i mean you were it, it it sounded like you were just completely chill you had your breath 15 minutes of hard fighting. What's it like to know that your cardio is there? Um, that's just the one thing. Uh, that's the only thing you can control out of fighting. So yeah. uh, my uh, my wrestling coach, Sylvester Sarkin, he's really big on that. He uh, pushes us really, really hard in that, in that field. So, I mean, like, um, Tony Ferguson sitting, he's like, that's the mm. only thing in the fight that yeah. you can control is the pace. So if you're in shape, you're in shape. If you get beat because you got beat, the person out outskilled you or some set and that's just the way the cookie crumbles but if you right. go in there and you're sitting off before the fight and now you're you're in there tired because you weren't doing the things you were supposed to that starts to take a it starts to take a toll right. during the fight if you can feel yourself being tired because you are not doing the things you, mm. you did not do the things that you should have in preparation for the fight it starts to take its toll mentally and physically leading up to that Absolutely. And, and something about you being, a, you know, obviously a trainer and a coach at your own gym, is that something you stress? And how do you stress it to the other guys, your brother and the other fighters that don't have 19 pro fights coming up? Do oh, you, yeah. Do you, uh, yeah. I just, yeah, I tell them that's, I, I, I mean, I plain simply say, my guys, yeah. I plain simply say that that's the only thing. And like, the good thing is like, like if you fight out of my gym, that's how all my fighters are. We can go. Like we're all, mm. everybody has, Everybody has their own thing that they like to do, but if you're fighting on my gym, then that means you're going to have good cardio because I'm going to make sure you're in good shape. That's that's a requirement for training right. out of here. Like you know, what I mean, like you have to know. I have to know that you can go, you can do what you're supposed to do. Well, absolutely. And, and part of MMA that's so exciting is that there's so many different styles, a striking heavy approach, a grappling heavy approach, a submission heavy approach. But regardless of the style you use, it all requires, uh, it all requires fitness. It all requires yeah, strength. Uh, to if you're not in shape, shape, I mean, like fatigue, that's just how it is. You can be the biggest and baddest guy, but if you can only be that good and bad for, for about a minute and then you start getting tired and that other right. guy skilled the same guy he started off, then 
and then it starts to show your your punches get slow. They have your yeah. punches get labor, your takedowns get slower, your attempts get less. They get, they they make you. It turns fatigue turns you into a coward. You can be the best guy on the planet, but if you're fatigued, you become a coward because you know in the back of your brain, I'm yeah. not doing this right because I'm tired. So, like I just Absolutely. like to try to bring that out in people when I fight them. And same with my opponents. Like my little brother is even. He, I think he does it even better than I do because he even keeps a faster pace because he's lighter. He fights at 135. Mm-hmm. Him and Patton okay. and John, they're all smaller guys, so they keep even faster paces when they fight. So that's, that's a big thing in our gym is making sure that, you know, even if you can hold me down for two, you're going to have to hold me down for three three rounds. You're going to have to finish me because if I get up, I'm going to get back on you and you're going to be tired. And that's and that's really what or we've mentioned it before on this program. We love the uh, the nickname Death Star, um, and and your style is very is is very fan friendly. You're you push the pace. You got a lot of very dynamic uh, kicks and and striking. You even threw in the closing seconds of your of your title winning fight. You threw a a, a somersault kick. Um, I mean, yeah. and you said afterwards that was because you wanted to you wanted to give the crowd something to be excited about. And, and I think that style is very exciting here. You are defending it. Now you had mentioned that you, you've never had the opportunity to get a title before, which still sounds uh, bizarre, but you've got one now. Does, does it mean something to be able to defend it as far as being able to come into a home crowd um, and, and, and have that title around your waist and kind of have the do that I think you've been doing for a long time being introduced as a champion. Yeah, I mean it does and it doesn't. I I get in I got like I get in the belt and I appreciate the recognition. Mm-hmm. But then in, in the in the same sense it's just a, it's me it's just another fight. It it, it put a little bit of difference on it but but it really doesn't. I think sometimes people get into that a little bit too much. Especially like amateur right. fighters always worry about titles mm. I'm like I mean like it's good because it's like if you if you deserve the recognition and stuff kind of looks good or your record it makes some kind of way like you're probably getting the things that you deserve but in the same sense that you still have to fight it's still a fight and when you're in there fighting if someone was to walk in when I was fighting they didn't know who I was what was going on they would just see a fight they wouldn't know it was a title fight they wouldn't know what was going right. on so it's still just and that's the purity of mixed martial arts it's still just a fight no matter what it boils down to there's just two people fighting no matter what it's for whether it's for Fifty dollars, or it's for five million dollars. It's mm-hmm. still a fight. Yeah. So I mean, like, I I get I get the thing as an oh, this is my first power defense, and I can't. I am definitely getting into that. But when it really comes down to it, it's just another fight. I, I don't think right. about, I don't and really think about oh, I got to defend the belt. I'm like, oh, it's just another fight. I'm just gonna fight again. Well, and one of the things that makes MMA so exciting and also so challenging, and you've been excelling at it, is that no, no matter the hype, no matter how many belts you have, and we've certainly seen people at the highest level, all, all your titles and all your belts stay outside the cage. You come right. in there with what you have that day. We've seen that with uh, legends like Ronda Rousey. We've seen that uh, with other legends where you might be, you might be the best there's ever been at it, or undefeated at that, at that fight. But that night, you've got to do it all over again. And I think yeah, that's I mean, a great like, attitude to Tyrone Woodley, I, tell, I, tell, I talk about him all the time. Tyrone's an awesome, he was an awesome champion of Freaking nature, yeah. bang, he smashes stuff, and then he just had the worst night of his career yep. on national yep. television as he was defending his belt and he was talking, saying he was going to do it either. And he just, and that was just, that was just what it is. 
There's no way around it. He yep. went in there and it just didn't click. Nothing clicked at all. His body yep. wasn't firing. And there's and a I little just, bit with Tyron. There's a little bit with, with Woodley Bean. He had released a, a rap CD. He had been in some movies um, and was really, and I'm not, I'm, listen, he's, I agree with you, an absolute. No, he definitely uh, wasn't champion. as on it as he thought he, exactly. as, as he, yeah. Thought he was. Right. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, right. you have a young guy who was coming up and I think he, yeah. I don't think he passed Usman, but he kind of did. And then Usman right. had the best night. Been time for his life. Right. There goes the there goes the belt. That's yeah. fighting. And so that is fighting. Yeah, every 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 night comes down to the night that you have in that cage right there. Uh, we've even seen that with the Conor McGregor Jose Aldo. I still say that while while Conor may have um, been the better skilled person, a thirteen second knockout from the second punch thrown, we'll never really know where the, how that fight would have gone. It's just like the Masvidal fight that just recently happened. Oh, yeah. Everyone's talking. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I've been asked to shot a dumb shot, but I'm like that uh, there's, there's a billion other chances that that knee doesn't land. Uh, yeah. He slams him on his head and he like beats him into the floor for the rest of the fight. But that is, that, that, that just, yep. and then it, it, it's what can happen. Like that's the crazy, that's the yep. thrill of this sport is, any, literally anything can happen. And like, doesn't matter yeah. how unstacked you are or how much you're an underdog and anything can happen. So, you know, Oh, that happened. Like, Oh, okay. I didn't see that coming. And, and bringing up the Askren fight, I watched the full Askren video a couple of days later. He released a, a video of being interviewed by uh Hawani, Ariel Hawani. And uh, I think he, he had the right attitude. He was very upbeat. He said, Hey, listen, getting knocked out happens. I was undefeated. Now I'm no longer undefeated. And he kind of brought up some of the points you did that. It's so easy for people to crap on him and, and to say, Oh my goodness, you set this record of being knocked out in five seconds. And, and he said, it was funny. He said, well, you might as well set a record. I mean, his thought is you're going to get knocked out and, 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 and kind of have the most significant loss of your career. Why not do it in style? But he was saying that, you know, the, it was funny, but he was saying that, you know, the reality is that's what MMA is. And, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna call himself a, a loser or, a, you know, like, Oh, I might as well just give it up because of that one knee, no different than, um, than Jose Aldo's done with that one punch. So I do think the mindset now, speaking of mindset, you are coming in to your 20th pro fight, which is, a, which is a very long career. And here's what's interesting. Your opponent out of Illinois is actually going to be, um, in his 31st, yeah, as you know, 31st pro fight. And so um, I, I guess I'm assuming you've never fought somebody with, with that level of experience or if you just add up your no. 20 as his 31st, that's 50 pro fights combined. What, is that, what does that tell you about coming into that fight? Um, I, I mean, I just think like the, the, the cons are he's, he's, uh, he's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, He's not, not easily to put away and stuff like that mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Like, I don't, I, I watch fights, I don't see a different fighter. I never see a different fighter. He does the same stuff over and over and mm -hmm. over again. So it's basically like he's just gotten to a rhythm of fighting. Me, on the other hand, I, const I, I try to make sure I'm constantly, mm -hmm. I'm constantly evolving with the sport and stuff. So, I mean, like, my, the way that I fight, the thing, adding different weapons to my, my style, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it's 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 a good thing and a bad thing. Like I said, that's a, mm -hmm. he'll he'll definitely be tough, but I I don't see him having any advantage anywhere because he's just he's just kind of there. He's tough, but he's just there. He doesn't threaten. Right. I don't see any like real threats or anything anywhere. 
Well, when you when you brought up that there's a con to having 30 pro fights, I, I think you did a good job in bringing up what that con actually is, and that is that anybody, whether whether it's GSP, um, who I can still consider one of the greatest of all times, so, you know, anybody that's had a very long career, the the advantage obviously is experience and understanding situations. But I think you brought up a a good point, you know, to his game, and that is it's very easy to fall into patterns and to fall into kind of a game plan that you just do every time. It's like it's like your grandmother's favorite dish. You know, she, she yeah, cooks it any time exactly. anytime the family gets together and you know what it's gonna be and it's good. But you know, right, on the eightieth time it's, of it's eating it, you're like, thing. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that you, you bring up a good point. Now, we ask a lot of fighters this and it sounds like you're already kind of giving me the answer, but I'll ask it anyhow. Um, how much tape or or uh you know, game planning have you done for Adam Ward? Um obviously I, you I, seem to know his pattern. Yeah, I go back. I go back five years and I watch film and then I watch film now and I see the things that they do the same. Okay. Everyone can change, right? You watch film and they can change. Right. But if they do right. the same thing they were doing five years ago, that means that's a pattern. That's, that's basically what I do. I go, I watch two fights. I, I watch the last two or three fights and then I see if I can find some fights from five Jump years back. ago yeah. and I see if I can find comparisons, things that they do that they haven't switched up yet and then I expose them. I pick two or three things and I look for close though. Like, I mean, I, I just think, like, I don't think, I'm watching his film of people he fought. Like, I know, basically, there's no, I don't think there's anyone like me, like, in, the, in this freaking Milky Way, let alone on this earth. So I'm like, there's nothing that can get him ready for what I'm going to bring. So I'm just looking at what the things that he looks to do, things he looks comfortable doing, things he likes to do, and then I just look at all the holes I find in him. Then I get with my coaches, and we find little certain holes, and I don't really overdo them. I just kind of right. do what, see things that I do naturally, do what capitalize mm-hmm. on those, and then I put those more into my hat work, into my training, et cetera, et cetera. And then I, t- I usually choose like two or three mm-hmm. weapons, and I just go from there. I don't really like the overly, overly game plan, because yeah. then you're sitting there kind of like, like, anticipating and like once you try to anticipate sure. that means you have to wait for them that means just they're first, first so i just kind of like get into the into to the groove mm-hmm. and kind of like let things play themselves out one at a time absolutely and part of that mindset when you talk about your coaching uh your coaches and what you're training is you always have to fight your your fight and it's one of those things where in a fight particularly at an mma fight where there's so much variety and so many different things that can happen you want to know kind of what he's consistently doing or what his patterns are and then you also want him to have to react and respond to you because typically the fighter who's uh the second person to the party so to speak who's reacting as opposed to acting um isn't going to come out on top you know typically the person has to deal with with with, with the person in front of them so if you're the guy bringing all these weapons against me i got to deal with your weapons and you don't have to deal with my weapons as much because it's not vice versa so that's definitely a champion mindset you obviously want to you want you always got to respect any person in front of you we've seen that um at all levels of mma that even those last minute you know 12 hour notice fights death pretzelli versus versus kimbo slice you know right there's, there's, there's ne- exactly but there's never as well that might not be a good comparison but you know what i mean there's never a ch- time where that person in front of you is always dangerous and oh and yeah i mean, like, I mean the simple it, fact yeah. when people don't fight serious i'm like okay they step yeah. in there I thought yeah, someone's absolutely. grandma stepped in there. I tried to take her head off because she signed the contract and she stepped in there. Like that's that's serious business. Like I'm not, I'm not. I would rather 
I would rather take them serious and overwhelm them than underestimate them and have them overwhelm yep. me. And then absolutely, I have to like bounce absolutely. back midway through the fight, like, oh snap, they're a lot better than I thought they were. It's not yep. too late. You're already chilling on the on the on the fight train. So I'm like, nah. Absolutely. And that well that grandma quote is just a great quote to I tell to people that all the time. People always ask like, yeah, yeah. I'm like the only people I won't fight are my are my blood. And my blood is in the people that like train with me on a daily basis, people that sure. I see bleed or I've made them bleed. Everyone else can get it. Everyone's grandma, everyone's kid. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> if, the, if some athletic commission allows the fight to happen, I'm signing the contract and they sign the contract. I'm sorry. Somebody's grandma has to get to work. Just the way it is. Something on a little bit, on a little bit more serious to note, you actually brought up and, and I don't want to crap on the guy cause he's, he's at a low in his career, but Luke Rockhold, um, has very much underestimated uh, several different fight fighters. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm, I don't under. I think yeah. Rockhold is the most complete MMA fighter. Oh, uh, yeah, out right now. Yeah. He's the most complete. His wrestling's phenomenal. He's a freak of oh, nature yeah. athlete. He has world class striking. He has world class jujitsu, yep. and he underestimates people and gets knocked out every gets time. Out. Every time he lo- yep. every time he loses, it's not because he gets out skilled. He just gets. He gets yep. out mental play like he like like him versus Bisbee. Yep. Even his last oh, yeah. fight, he kept like walking with yep. his hands down. I'm like, dude, you're fighting against a freaking monster who looks like yeah. he eats people, and you're like yeah, walking around and get your jaw broken. I'm like, what the yep. hell, dude? Yep. Like, even when he well, was fighting Rockhold, I mean, yeah. I mean, when he was fighting um Romero, when he was fighting yeah. Romero. He was just too relaxed against such. He thought he was gonna like kick Romero and break his leg, and Romero didn't stop, and he just jumped on him like, right. Yeah, and I, I bring Luke up not to not to disrespect the guy. Obviously, we're talking about your comments, and your comments were that you you absolutely have to take the threat as real and stay. I mean, the thing with Luke that drives me nuts is he's getting knocked out at least in, in the Jan fight, the most recent fight, and in his business fight, he got knocked out by the same punch twice, Le- left left hook uh, both times. Very sloppy defense. Stays too too upright. Stays too relaxed. Stays too Again, in front of the guy. That's how they, everyone's everyone's yeah. probably going through his film. They're yeah. seeing things yeah. he does. They're seeing things yeah. he doesn't correct, and they're capitalizing on. And, and he trains with Henry Hoop, who's a world class kickboxer. Oh yeah. But some Absolutely. but some fighters like some you can't change patterns on people. You just right. can't. And he probably has a pattern when he starts getting tired. He starts to be relaxed. He yeah. drop. He likes it. I mean, everyone kind of drops their hands, but he just kind of. Yeah does it and like has a weird way of a weird move when he gets it when he's disengaged his hand swings out and he gets right. well and it's something that bringing that bringing it back to you it's something that's so important to for you to, to for you to have that that humility that humility of um you're just a man you want to be the right. best you want to fight everybody you want to fight all the grandmas you want to fight everybody i like that quote, <laughs> but the reality is you you can't you can't believe in your own hype because let your fans do that, you know, and and I think it's something that with and, and I would agree with you. And in, in the Luke Rockhold instance, he is in my way going to go down as one of the most underused, wasted potential in 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 MMA, just because he he probably had so much more. And when we talk to fighters and interview them, uh, I think there's times where people are just so much better at making it work in a fight. And I think you're one of these fighters. And I would say probably Luke in some cases, isn't he's losing fights to fighters that are overall less skilled. I mean, Bisbing is a hall. Yeah. Like right that's, now, what, that's what, um, that's what DC, DC yeah. said, Luke, they say Luke Rockhold's yeah. a freak in the gym, but in the, he just can't quite, when he gets up really high, he just can't suck it all together 
like, <laughs> and that's a mental. That's a whole, that's a whole different. Now I'm talking Luke Rockhold. I'm nowhere near near the UFC. I don't know what I would no, no, do no, in my first that. year. We're not trying. So we're like, not trying to so, so, yeah. But in that in higher state, right. in that stage for them, it's it's, it's more than just physical. Luke Rockhold definitely has everything he needs physically to be a champion. Yep. Easily, it's just a, just a, just something else he's missing. There's a a link that he's missing. Now, can he put it together? Absolutely. I'm not saying at all that he can't put it together. Right. It took Robbie Robbie Lawler. Like, it oh, yeah. took Robbie Lawler right. years yeah. for him to put it yep. together. I mean, like it it, yep. it it can click at any time. It's just different. A different. He just has to approach things differently. He's doing the same thing and expecting a different result. That's the sign. Right. Saying. And, and fight, it's not going to happen. Do that. Yeah. No. Like so his last you, fight, that dude kept throwing those hooks at him. So he should have yeah. acknowledged that. Corner yeah. should have acknowledged it, but. I guess he didn't. It was weird. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and you obviously brought up the classic quote for insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You are obviously um, the opposite. You're a guy who, even with a dominant win um, to take the, the, the belt at 247 fighting championships, you still have the humility. I, I follow you on social media, and you're constantly talking about getting better and training, and also training with guys that that are making you get better not not and this, this is something that did come up with the ben Askren thing where there are times where he only surrounds himself with people this is um uh trying to think who pointed out one of paul feldner pointed out that um that they're in the same gym but that ben won't train with really high level strikers oh, and yeah, it was he, one, he only fits himself in his comfort in his comfort zone that's exactly. So, so what do you do to stay outside of your comfort zone? How are you constantly pushing yourself? And what's I mean, the like, mental like? Because you mentioned the mental game. So what's your mental game like getting ready for a fight? I mean, my mental game has always been different. I'm a, like I said, I'm just a different type of person. Mm -hmm. You can ask anyone that used to train with me, like all my older training buddies that don't even train or guys still train. I, the way that I approach things is differently. I just have a different a different type of competitive thing. Like even after losses, after I get knocked out or whatever, I've been knocked out. I have six losses, I've been knocked out five times. So in order for me to lose, you're going to have to, you're going to have to finish me. And, I, and my mentality, like when it comes to like mentally preparing for fights, is just I just always had a different approach. I mm -hmm. just, I, don't know, I just, I just can't. Turn it off. My little brother's the same. My little brother's kind of the same way. It's just a different approach when it comes to levels of competition, and. As in the uh, challenge aspect, like I have people like him and Justin Patton and John DeSouza and Jake Schilling, and they're all up and coming. John's John's had a decent amount of fights, um, based on almost amount of fights I do. So he's been a veteran as well. And I have mm. pretty young guys; they're, they're younger, they're faster. So I challenge myself there. And then I have my coaching, and then I just put myself in really difficult situations. I mean, I just make it, or I'll like, I'll handicap certain things when I'm sparring. Mm. So I'm going with someone, I'm a lot better. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to use this. I'm just going to use this. Or I'm not going to use this. I'm just going to use this. Mm. So it, it's just constantly, constantly like pushing and pushing myself. I get, I had some guys, um, guy, my man come up from, uh, from Uniontown. Uh, and he, uh, got, I got some, I got mm. some working with him as he was getting ready for his fight. He was a lot taller than me. So I had to get used to his reach. So it's just constantly challenging myself. On a daily, I, I don't, I don't like to always win. That's not my thing. Mm. My thing is to always figure out, be able to like play ch human chess, basically. Because if you're always winning, then that means you're always the hammer. And then when you're mm -hmm. finally the nail, you're like, oh, I'm the nail. I'm not used to right. being the nail. I'm okay being the nail sometimes. Right, and and that's something that we talk a lot about. Um, we've been interviewing fighters that were getting ready for the Dana White Contender Series, which is actually something that I'd love to see for you in the future. You know. Oh yeah. Um, but getting ready for that, we'll shout that out there and hope 
hope that I hope that comes to be or some other type of a way to get um, to a, you know to a, a large organization. But one of the things that that a lot of those fighters were bringing up as we were um, interviewing them was the attitude that you just expressed, which I think is so important. Which is, if you lose enough in the gym and you and you keep constantly going up against better people or like you said, handicapping yourself, artificially making yourself grow. To lose in the gym means you're going to increase your chance of winning in the ring or the cage. If you constantly win in the gym, then you're not going to know how to deal with adversity. We've seen that on many oh, yeah, schools that was, in the U.S. problem. You can like, Ronda Rousey like they, was a great they example. They kept her comfortable yep. as hell. And then when she got uncomfortable, she was going to throw up. They're like, oh, she's not used to this. Like, you're not used to being good. Yeah. I mean, that, that all comes down to coaching. Coaches to tell yep. you, shut up. Yep. You know, like you're like your coaches to tell you like, oh, no, that doesn't work. I'm not going to let you off or coaches to hold you accountable. And not just in training, but just in everything that yep. you do. Like you have to be held accountable to things. Absolutely. And like, I mean, I think having a baby even helped me out with that because getting up at three o'clock in the middle of the night, like I just, I don't want to do that, but I have to. And it's just sacrifices and things you have to do and like things that you have to just adjust to. I do and just swing it in the fighting and somehow make it effective towards my fighting and like either built me mentally or built me physically. And when you talk about making adjustments and congratulations on the baby again, the, the last Thank time you. we interviewed you, she was just a peanut. Now she's what? Yeah, nine now months old. So nine, she, nine, almost she, 10. Yeah. Almost 10 months. But, but you did yeah. bring up a good point. And, it, and it's that, that, that a fighter is more than just a fighter. And so if you can get used to making adjustments to having a baby, if you can make adjustments to personal stuff, then that's actually going to go into the, into the fight with you. Meaning you're better at making adjustments. You're better at dealing with hardships or, or it oh, yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. And so how do you make adjustments in a fight? I guess we'll end on that. Cause we've had a lot of great questions. Yeah, and thanks yeah. so much for being on the program. So how do you make adjustments and what's it like when you know that it's sometime during your last, 19 pro fights. What have you learned about making in-fight adjustments? Well, my big thing is I've made, I've lost fights where I've like subconsciously told myself I'm not going to keep adjusting to that and I got my, got my butt dropped mm. because of it and I've been in fights where I've told myself, okay, well, that's not working. Let's try this. Okay, that's not working. Let's try this. So I just, mm. I try to like, like, I like trying to like make sure I, I talk to myself while I'm fighting. Like I, tr I transfer with sure. my corner thing and I tell myself again, it's really weird the way my brain works, like, talk to myself yeah. as I'm fighting, like, okay, catch this, I right, realize that, okay, check it, okay, look how you respond to this, I'm, I'm like, and as I'm doing, you can ask people as far as me, if I do something, if you, if you do something that's good, I store it, and then if you try to do it again, it's not going to work. Like, my brain is all, mm -hmm. it's constantly, like, laying out platforms, like, laying mm -hmm. out blueprints for the fight, and as, as we're going, I'm picking up information, and I'm adjusting, I'm picking up information, and I'm adjusting. Like, even my last fight, he threw a hook, and then he came back with a spinning back. He came back with like a back fist. And my brain like instantly picked it up. Like, okay, that's not supposed to happen. So make sure next time, every time he throws out a hook, make sure he's probably setting the trap. So I'm just constantly. And then mm -hmm. it seems like when I attack, if they don't, they don't respond. So I'm like, okay, we're going to add something going to that. If they do respond, okay, we're going to add something going to your check. I'm like, so just things like that. And that's, that's just, that's just like I teach. That's how I teach. And that's the good thing about yeah. teaching is it helps me actually get better. Because I teach people how to how to like lay traps. I'm really, I'm really, I think I'm one of the best in the world at trap laying and like mm -hmm. understanding how that all works. Like understanding like the uh, dungeons and dragons, I guess you could say the fighting at pre pre setting things up and all that when it comes into like a fight and while doing it all within like three seconds. All while it's happening. Yeah. And, and having that self 
uh, analyzing, like you're talking about, you're, you're analyzing yourself is also something that some fighters don't have. I know every brain works differently. You're in a, you're in a fight. So adrenaline's going, we've interviewed fighters where they, they, they kind of can't analyze. They just kind of, they just kind of do everything they can just throw it, throw it out there and hope it works. And I think it is, it's more healthy long-term to have analysis, both of what you're doing and also of what they're doing. And as a coach, as you pointed out, you have to be able to teach fighters how to uh, be intelligent fighters. You know, I, I think I always think of GSP um, as such an intelligent fighter. He was able to uh, lay traps and also avoid other people's traps. And when you hear him break down fights years after his fights, he remembers every kind of every uh, section or every uh, flurry or every, and, and he was starting to notice things. And that sounds a lot like what you're doing where, where you're, you're recognizing that in a fight, it's not just what am I doing? It's, what, how might he respond to what I'm doing? And, and I think that also helps a lot when you come over to the corner um, where you can actually take the advice from the corner and, and sometimes even give advice back or at least let them know like, hey, I've seen this and what do I do about this, you know, type thing. Um, yeah. As we, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that's something that gets missed. We've, we've seen some really bad, I always joke that the worst corner advice you ever hear is punch them more or don't lose. Or so, don't so give the thing, up. Or the only thing about that is that those coaches, like sometimes that's bad, but those coaches sometimes they also know they're a fighter. They know they're yeah. type of fighter. There's cerebral fighters, and then there's fight or flight fighter. Like Justin Gaethje is a fight or flight right, fighter, right. and he doesn't care. And a lot of times, most fighters are, are punks out hard, and he brings a bit out of them because he just he just constantly keeps that pace up. That's a very intense level of mm. destruction that he keeps. And most people aren't willing to do that. That fight or flight, they don't have it. Like, Justin Gaethje will pull a punk out in everyone, and most people will just wilt. Some people will end up sitting there and getting with him and calculating, but if not, I mean, like, and, like, his corner is like, oh, yeah, just keep doing that. Just keep throwing your heart. I'm sitting like, oh, everyone fights a little different. You just right. have to, like, make sure that your, your style, you, you, mm -hmm. you have the proper, like, durability for the style of fighting. And there's people like Israel and Asanya, who's the complete opposite style oh. of fighter. Yeah. Justin Gaethje. They're like polar opposites, but they're both very effective at the same time. You see what I mean? Like Gaethje's throwing reckless movement, front flip, all kind of cycle. And, and Israel and Asanya is pinpoint accurate with everything. Everything he does yeah. has been set like up probably two yeah, or three like seconds before. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. it's just a different style of fighting for a different style of opponent. Like, you know, you have to learn how to pull out each, each one. If you're too much of either one, you'll get you in trouble. Like, sometimes oh, yeah, he's too much of a bull, and then sometimes, yeah. because he's a bull, he breaks through everything. Right, absolutely. And they, the UFC actually just announced that Justin uh, is going to be fighting Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And that's um, going to be a very interesting fight yes. to see how that, how that turns out. Me, I'm personally looking forward to the fight this, like, tomorrow. Um, Hooker is fighting uh, um, James Vick. That's a very, oh, yeah. very, yep. like, a lot of people understand. I think Hooker's one of the most. Even though he got him and Barbosa went to war, Hooker was a, he did a really high level. Like, and I mm -hmm. like that that style of fighting that Israel and Asanya does. He trained out of the same gym, so I mean, I, I think that fight would be good. But I don't, the Gaethje and Cowboys fight, I think it all depends on who shows up on either side. Right, the absolutely. Cowboys, We've seen both fighters, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cowboys Cowboy can fight a dog fight class. if he needs yeah. to. Yeah, he can, but he if he needs to, Cowboys can fight a dog fight, and he can also fight a calculated fight. But he can also get overwhelmed. I've seen Cowboy overwhelmed very mm, easily oh, yeah. before. So it all depends on But then, like, he has really good technique, 
And if Gaethje comes running run like a maniac, he might need his freaking place. That's the, that's the type of fight that you would have to game plan for. You couldn't just Well, and I would say as, as a compliment, when you were talking about Cowboy Cerrone, I would say you have a very similar um, uh, skill set in the sense that you fight very calculated, very surgeon-like in your striking, but you also have that, um, that aggression. You, you said in your, our last interview back in April that you're a violent individual that you don't really look for, Oh, am I going to win this way or that way? There are times where you're just going to, you're just going to fight. You're going to make it work to what it needs to be. And I think having both is important being, being uh, intellectual and surgeon like and calculating, but also there's times where you, you just have to be a, be a fighter. Yeah. Um, you have, when you, cause that's what it comes down to. No matter yeah. how beautiful you want to make it, it's a fight. And then I'm like, we have those little gloves on and they throw one yeah. big stupid loopy goofy. And now you're sitting like, Oh, I was trying to make sure everything was pinpoint accurate. And it's no longer pinpoint accurate. Yeah, absolutely. So as you think about your, your gratitude and, and what, what helps you get to this point as you go into your first defense, who are some, who are some people you need to thank um, or some sponsors you need to thank that have set you up well for your first title defense? Um, I definitely want to thank my man, Ryan and 24 seven uh, for, uh, having me back and having me uh, defend this title for sure. And then all their mm. staff, I uh, want to thank all my training partners here at the academy, uh, all my coaches and stuff, and uh, all the rest of the guys I've been training with and helped me out. Uh, my sponsors, I want to thank uh, Regeneration Pittsburgh, Cranberry Cryotherapy, Eggs and Nuts, uh, a couple other sponsors. Um, of, course my, of course, my deal in the academy, for sure, for all my students and stuff. Uh, Cage Nathan, uh, 24-7 Insurance. I mean, like, mm. just, just all, all, everyone's really just helping, just all the energy I get from my family and everything and all my fans. Absolutely. Well, we can't wait at MMA FanCast. We can't wait to see you in action on the 27th, which is closing in very quickly now. We can't wait to see you get your first title defense. This has been, this has been Kama, the Death Star worthy. Check him out. There are tickets still available. Go online, 247 Fighting Championships, and come out to Princecape Arena the 27th to see Kama Death Star Worthy in his first title defense for the 155 pound belt. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Kama. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Well, that's, that's it, I guess.